Liz Rao definitely has a quirky sense of humor. She's an author and now a podcast host. But recently, she's undergone a major change in her life. VSG Bariatric Surgery. Now she's on a journey to discover health and happiness. Join her as she navigates this new world. This is Life with Liz. Hello, everyone. Happy Sunday. If you're listening to this the day it drops, if not, just happy, glorious, another day of the week. So, um... Gosh, this is my third podcast now, and something I've wanted to talk about from the very beginning is how I qualified for VSG surgery. But before we get started, I would like to ask each of you to go to your device right now that you're listening to Life with Liz to, like, or on, um, and subscribe to this podcast. It really helps my channel, you guys, and helps me get uh, more listeners, more exposure, but also more great deals to pass on to you all. So please go and subscribe, and if you even feel like it, please rate me a big ol' five stars. I'd greatly appreciate it. So anyway, back to what I was saying. Let's talk about why I qualified for VSG surgery, or also known as gastric sleeve. There are different ways to qualify. I'm not what is considered morbidly obese. I am obese, technically, which was something I was hard to come to terms with because I didn't look in the mirror and see an obese person necessarily, but I knew I felt unhealthy. I knew it was getting harder for me to go upstairs because it would hurt my knees and I would find myself more out of breath. Um, so here are the main qualifiers for vertical sleeve gastrectomy, also known as VSG or gastric sleeve. And I'm not a surgeon or a doctor, but this is what was on the insurance page that I went to to qualify. You have to be between the ages of 18 and 65, morbidly obese with a BMI of 40 or higher, which means if you don't know what BMI is, it's body mass index. So it's your, um, basically your fat to weight ratio. Um, one of the other qualifiers is obese with a BMI of 35 or higher and an additional weight related condition like diabetes, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, hypertension, joint pain, um, and blood pressure was also one of those. One of the additional qualifiers was unsuccessful after trying multiple diet and exercise programs. You have to be a non-smoker. You have to be willing to dedicate to maintaining the lifestyle changes that accompany the surgery. If you're not going to do the work, change how you're eating, change how your exercise program, it's, it's not worth you putting yourself through this process and I'm, I'm just saying that as someone who has been going through the classes and the counseling and then the nutrition, um, because it's a lot of work. It's not a quick fix. You can't do the surgery and think, oh, it's all I got to do. Um, no, you have to do the work. You have to put it put in the exercise and the right nutrition. You can't go back to eating junk food and sitting on the couch on, on your ass. Like... No, that's just not, it's, you're not going to maximize your success and you're going to end up regaining. So, sorry, let me get off my soapbox there. Basically, I qualified because I was between the 35 and 40 BMI and I qualified ha by having sleep apnea. And you can even tell by my voice. Now, my voice never used to get rough. 
Um, <clears throat> but by not sleeping as much, my voice started to change and it started to get a little more gravelly and that was all part of sleep apnea. So let me tell you, the, the at-home sleep test you have to take to qualify for sleep apnea is bloody awful. It's one of the worst tests I've ever done. And let me tell you, I, I love a hospital. I love an ER. I've been there many times. We're friends. My chart is full of all the good stuff I like. Um, you know, I'm not a stranger to being like poked or prodded. But when you mess with my sleep, I get a little um, bitchy, for lack of a better word. So on my blog, I'm going to include a photo of me being a total goober as I strap this test to my face in my chest. So basically what you have to do is you have to put an oxy monitor on your face. It loops over your ears, goes into your nostrils, and then there's like a little down tube that goes into your mouth. It's the nose thing I expected, the little mouth part, I did not. I could not get comfortable. But then you also have to wear um, a monitor on your finger. And I think everyone's seen like the, the heartbeat monitors at doctor's offices and stuff. Um, and then you monitor something, a device to your chest, and you um, you strap this monitor around your rib cage, like one on the top and one on the bottom, and you're supposed to sleep with this contraction, con contraption, I can't even talk today, you guys, um, on your face. Let me tell you, um, as someone who has anxiety and has trouble falling asleep to begin with, let alone sleep apnea so I can't stay asleep, this test was just terrible. There's no other way for me to say it. Um, and you might be thinking, well, what is sleep apnea? Why does it even qualify me? Well, okay, let me backtrack to that first. Untreated sleep apnea has been linked to high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, liver problems, and even dementia. Research also shows that older adults, older adults with excessive daytime sleepiness and moderate to severe sleep apnea are more than twice as likely to die than those who don't have it. So that's not good. My sleep apnea highly contributes to my stress, which feeds my anxiety, which feeds my body pains, etc., etc., etc. I think you're starting to connect those little circles. So if you're getting the picture, hopefully you are, when my sleep apnea contributes to the stress, to the anxiety, to the overeating, to the body pains, to the overall tiredness I have, the next day, all I can think about is how tired I am. But I can't even nap because then I'm thinking, God, what if I fall asleep and ruin tonight's sleep? You know, it's just this constant state of anxiety you have around your sleep. And in the meantime, I just look like I was always being punched in the face. Like I had two dark circles under my eyes, which are hereditary, but the black and blue color necessarily is not. And then I started to get these puffy bags. I mean, I use those eye refreshers like they're going out of business. So if you want more information on this test or how to find out how it even works, you can visit the American Sleep Association website. Um, I will link it in my associating blog with this on Liz Rao Official. But um, as a person with high anxiety levels, having this test strapped to me, I, I can't say it enough. It just really was awful. All I can think about that night was, one, my qualifications for the surgery depend on this test. 
I just kept swimming and swimming and swimming through my head. And that is not what you need when you're trying to peacefully go to sleep. You know what I mean? And the second thing is that I was thinking was, man, I have all this stuff attached to me. How am I possibly going to even sleep? And they want you to sleep on your back, which is the one position I cannot sleep in. I find it painful. Um, I would try to roll to my side, but then the the tubes strapped to my face, the oxy monitor would shift. Um, you had to like basically leave your mouth open because of the one going into the oxy monitor going into your mouth. Um, so that was very, very uncomfortable. And I just kept rolling and tossing and turning. Did I sleep? No, not very much. My husband finally came up to bed. I, I tried to go to bed much earlier than him because otherwise he will also keep me awake. He doesn't mean to. It's just another thought in my head. Um, so I eventually went down to the guest bedroom since I was keeping him awake with my tossing and turning. And then around 6 a.m., I managed to fall asleep. Well, by fall asleep, I kind of mean off and on. I managed to get about three hours of sleep into this 10-hour window this device was on. And... During those three hours, I woke up 52 times. 52 times in three hours, I stopped breathing. That is what sleep apnea is. So this test shows not only how many times you stop breathing, but when your breaths were even, when they were in uh, like decline, or if you were holding your breath. So apparently at some point, I also held my breath for over a minute um, it wasn't that I stopped breathing. I was actually holding a breath in. So the whole time this was very, very uncomfortable. And you only get one shot. I got one night to do this test and to make sure that I tested with sleep apnea to qualify for the surgery. And so I go, I drop it off. I'm a walking zombie because I had to have, I had to drop it off by 10 a.m. And it's about a 30 minute drive to the clinic on my somewhat three hours of sleep. Um, was it comfortable? No. Was it worth it? Yes, because the test came back that I had moderate apnea. Had I slept that whole night, it could have been a total different story. So that is how I qualified for my VSG surgery that I'll be having two weeks from when this podcast comes out. Um, follow my Instagram during surgery because I'm going to be posting it on my story highlighting my liquid diet, the pre-op surgery appointment, the post-op, everything. I'm also going to be doing some IGTV videos. I'm not a YouTuber. I have a full-time job and I can't be um, on every social media platform. But Instagram for me is the most user-friendly and easiest. Um, so that is where I'm choosing to document this as well as on my blog at lizraofficial.com. And I have a lot of tools to help me along the way, um, including the binders. So let's talk about the binder for a moment and what that session is like. Hey, everyone. We're going to get back to the show in, the, in a minute. But right now, I want to talk to you about ThriveMarket.com. This is one of my favorite places to shop right now. They started five years ago. And the way it works is they ship directly to your door. You don't have to go into a store. Everyone should have access to healthy products, reliable information, affordable pricing, and that's what Thrive Market does. And the best part is you can shop by your diet. So whether you are gluten-free, vegan, keto, I mean, you name it, they have it. Um, but they also have 
certified gluten-free, certified organic, certified vegan, fair trade certified, non-GMO verified, Whole30 approved. I mean, they have really gone above and beyond to make sure they are offering the best quality of products, which I really um, strongly, strongly believe in. The other thing I really like from pep, uh, from Thrive Markets, I'm so excited to talk to you about this, um, is the peppermint essential oil. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and it is the only peppermint essential oil that has ever worked for me. I have tried plenty. They either smell sickly sweet, they do absolutely nothing, or they even give me a headache, which is the exact opposite of what it's supposed to do. Don't ask me why, but the Thrive Market peppermint oil works amazingly. The other thing I get a lot from... Thrive Market is the Heritage Store Rosewater Spray. Now, Rosewater has recently become like the new hot thing when you're looking in the um, clean skin aisle at like Target, but I've been using this Heritage Rosewater Spray for years, and I get it from Thrive Market because one, it's less expensive, and two, some of those other brands, look at the ingredients, Rosewater, or water in general is not even the first ingredient, and that's not okay with me. But secondly, it's more affordable. And if you go to thrivemarket.com slash Liz Rao, right now you're going to get $20 off your first cart when you sign up for a membership. And guys, you don't have to sign up for a year-long membership to this site. You can do it month by month. It's as low as $9.99. $9.99, guys. That is insane. And I love this so much because they not only have ways you can shop by your diet, Thrive Market goods, but they have food, meat and seafood, meals. They have clean wine. Very important if you're a wine lover. Supplements, beauty, bath and body. They even have everything for your babies, your kids, and even your fur children. Yes, that's right. They have pet supplies. So check them out. They're doing the right thing. They're doing it the right way. And it's delivered to your door in a matter of days once you place your order. Check it out, you all. Thrivemarket.com slash Liz Rao. So with the binder class in, in, in this week, I had not one but two appointments. One was my final class, which is called the binder class. So that in a nutshell is you get this 69-page book, um, and all of my appointments have been virtual. So this was emailed to me. I chose not to print it out, and instead I kind of just flipped through it on my iPad while we were virtually going over it because I can't bring myself to print 69 pages. Um, it just seems like it's not good for the planet. So I went the eco-friendly route. Um, the other class I had was my nutritionist visit. So those were the two I had this week. I actually did them on the same day. Um, because when you, when they're virtual, it's just easier to block your whole day and just boom, boom, boom through some of this stuff. So the binder class, um, it was very, very interesting. It's basically your guide to your pre-op diet, your post-op diet, um, for, for 12 weeks post-op and how you slowly can integrate things back in. So guys, when you have this surgery, and I guess I shouldn't say guys, so y'all, you all, um, it's ba- you come out with a newborn baby stomach. That's how you have to think of it. So you have to start with liquids, and you have to teach your stomach, this newly formed tubular stomach um, with very sensitive lining because it just had major surgery, to not only be able to eat again, but to take on textures and 
um, actually be able to digest food. So you start with a liquid. Here's something I did not know. I thought I had two weeks of a liquid diet, one for my pre-op diet, seven days up to surgery, and then one week post-op. Um, and I was not really looking forward to that, and I thought you could have some soups and stuff for the pre-op. Nope, you can't. It basically has to be a clear liquid. Um, I'm not looking forward to that. But I found out this week that pre or like post-operation, so my what I thought was one week is actually two weeks of clear liquids. And you drink it in about two ounces at a time because even that's going to be a struggle. So you basically have to have these pre-made cups of, of two-ounce liquids that you have, oh, every 30 minutes to an hour. And that just seems very painful and very difficult because on top of that, you're supposed to be making sure you drink up to 64 ounces of water. And they pretty much say, you know what, you're not going to do it right out of the gate. you got to build up to it, but you have to concentrate on getting hydrated. That's the number one most important thing, and it's what most people struggle with. So um, three weeks of a liquid diet. Um, that's why I don't understand how, if you're not going to commit to the post-op lifestyle, why you would put yourself through this, because three weeks of a clear liquid diet just seems like torture. I understand the process. I'm very logical in that manner, but the idea of it seems seems very difficult. So I'll be posting about that experience. And if it's worse than what I expect, then it's got to be pretty awful. Um, but I'll be posting about that. So moving on, you talk about why you do these things as well. So the seven days prior, it's basically a liver cleanse. Because your liver has to be as small as possible during surgery. Otherwise, they can't actually go through with the surgery. They'll open you up and find that your liver is huge, and they'll, they'll close you right back up. Because it's not safe, it's not healthy, and they could possibly do more damage by trying to move the liver to, to cut out part of your stomach. So that whole part of that liquid diet and the reason they do it is so your liver is as small and as healthy as possible um, because you're not digesting things that your liver is trying to basically deteriorate for your digestive system, right? So your, your liver takes in things like alcohol and fat and sugar. And so you really have to skip all those things to make sure that your body is in tip top shape for surgery. It's very important to the recovery. So what she did say pre-surgery, which is somewhat like of a boost is that I could have up to five shakes a day. So I like to do pre-made shakes. I typically put fruit in them. Can't do that. So she said, you know, just make it with like crushed ice. It'll still kind of give you that shake-like feeling that you like. And as you all know, I love the Orgain product. Love, love, love it. I have a promo code on my Instagram page if you want 30% off. Um, I just like that it's vegan. It's clean. It's dairy-free. They also have a grass-fed one. Um, but it also has probiotics in it, which is huge because you will need your fiber and probiotic post-surgery. Um, she said I could have water. I could have caffeine-free tea. Doesn't that sound delightful? And very, very little low-sodium broth. No soup, nothing with a cream base, um, and sugar-free popsicles and sugar-free sports drinks. So I'm going to be gagging of synthetic, sweet, sugary, yet sugar-free uh, Gatorade by the time I get to the hospital. While you're in the hospital, you're on IV fluids. And then post-surgery, you want to walk 
as much as possible. Um, one, because it means everything's working inside your body and you're going to kind of neutralize that nausea from post-surgery that just, it just happens. I've had surgery before. I know what to expect. Um, but you do have this sense of nausea. Part of it's because you just went through a massive surgery. The other part, guys, is you just had anesthesia. You had a tube down your throat. Your throat is going to be raw. These are things that you should expect. Um, it will go away. But the faster you get up and walk, the faster you're going to feel better. The other part is that they actually have to pump up your stomach with a gas which kind of balloons your stomach because everything's laparoscopic, right? So they're, they're not just butterflying you open, but that gives them the room to work. The little robot arm can go in, do its job, but then that gas has to go somewhere. And a lot of people are like, oh, take gas X with you. It's not really that kind of gas, guys. So that's the other part of walking is it forces it to move around your body, which eventually allows it to get out. But that gas pain will go up into your shoulder. Mine specifically last time hit my right shoulder. And it was very, very painful. Not as painful as the reason I went in for surgery. But um, I just remember my body just aching for a couple of days. So expect that. Um, but the binder class in general was what I expected. Outside of learning, I actually had three weeks of liquid diet versus two weeks. But then after that, you can start putting in like pureed foods that have the consistency of like applesauce um, and so on and so forth. And every week you can add stuff. Some of the things you can't add are things like fruit. You really can't add that until like six to eight weeks. Um, but it's a 12-week playbook of how you're supposed to start this journey off correctly. And it's important to follow it to a T because these are your doctor's instructions and the doctor knows more than you. He just does. He went to school for it. He studied it. You're a patient, not a scientist. So very, very important to remember that. What I also like is who's ever teaching these courses, um, and I had the same two ladies for both of my education as I did for the nutritionist. They know what they're talking about, but they're also there for you the whole time. You can contact them anytime you have a question about a product, um, anytime you think that you're ready to kind of move on a little quicker. All my post-ops are going to be virtual, which is, um, that's the first time that's ever happened to me. Typically, my post-ops have always been in the office, but this is the new COVID-19 world we live in, which is still very, very much a problem. But um, before that post-op even happens, I will call and talk to the nutritionist and tell her how I'm feeling and call and talk with my doctor. And it's a really, they have offered a really good um, two-way street of dialogue. So I feel very, very comfortable going into this as well. I feel bad for my husband because three weeks of a liquid diet is going to be like worse than PMS, I would assume for him. But he's been very, very supportive as well. So you know I'm getting BSG surgery, but did you also know that I am an author? Yes, that's right. I write cozy romantic stories uh, a little bit of mystery and romance novels. And some of my favorite have to do with witches. Yes, it's all fiction, but still I like to fantasize and daydream and write something that's outside of my normal reality. And recently I have come up with a line of t-shirts to kind of support my passion project and hobby. So right now if you go to lizroutofficial.com slash shop, 
you can get 10% off any of my t-shirts using the code Liz10. L-I-Z, the number 10. 10% off anything on my site right now. Go ahead and go to LizRowOfficial.com slash shop. Or you could just go to LizRowOfficial.com and click merchandise. Potato, potato. So next week, what I'm going to talk about is my pre-op appointment with my doctor and everything that's like. I'm going to ask him if he's okay if I share his name in case you live in Colorado and this is something you're considering. Um, but in the meantime, like I said, please, please, please subscribe to this podcast. Please follow me on Instagram and let me know something that you want to hear. What are, what are you curious about during these processes? And I'll do my best to answer any and all questions. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a blessed day, and I will talk to you all very, very soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life with Liz.